You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. If you want to find Nada today, if you want to interact with him, want to hear his voice. Um, well, you're not going to be able to hear his voice, but you can interact with him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe because I'm going to be going solo today talking about a couple of different uh, things regarding the Charlotte Hornets. And one thing I want to talk about first It's just the overall perception of the third overall selection that the Charlotte Hornets have in the NBA draft. And I want to talk about this because of Cody Zeller's comments regarding the third pick. You know, Sam Purley wrote an article about James Borrego and a lot of his comments on how well the two-week camp went. And Sam Purley always putting out good stuff on Hornets.com. Friend of the show, always like checking out his content. And it also... It, it, just having the third overall selection mentioned a couple times, of course, it's big news here in Charlotte. It's one of the best things that have happened to us NBA draft wise in a long time. But I also want to reference it into a tweet that Nate Silver had that people are actually making into a quote tweet and joking about it. So Nate Silver tweeted out, it probably doesn't end well, but it isn't clear yet in which way it ends poorly. And he's referring to Donald Trump catching COVID-19 and I'm not going to go down that road but that seems to be what everybody is drawing the conclusion of what that tweet means and I would agree with everyone but everybody else is quote tweeting it and putting it to you know some funny joke like I saw somebody say the introductory press conference for Kevin Stallings when he took the job at Pittsburgh like it probably doesn't end well but it isn't clear yet in which way it ends poorly and I thought about quote tweeting that same sentence and putting it regarding the Charlotte Hornets third overall selection because we just haven't had good luck via the NBA draft for a long time. That's changed relatively for the Charlotte Hornets ever since Mitch Kupchak became the general manager. We can talk about the SGA thing, but still he drafts Devontae Graham, Cody Martin, Jalen McDaniels, all promising prospects in different ways in the second round. And he gets PJ Washington, who absolutely should have been a member of the all first uh, rookie team. And so you feel comfortable with Mitch Kupchak making this decision. At least I do. Maybe you don't think the sample size is big enough. And that's fair enough to consider. But for me, considering his track record for the L.A. Lakers, considering his track record for the very small sample size that he's had with the Charlotte Hornets, I do trust Mitch Kupchak for the most part compared to a lot of other general managers out there. And I just wonder about the perception of the third overall pick, how different it is this year compared to other years. And you might roll your eyes and think, man, we've been talking about this a long time. Everybody knows that this is a different NBA draft class compared to years past. But it's just unfortunate because when you talk about the third overall selection, it should be franchise changing, no doubt, for you. And I just don't get that feeling when I talk about this NBA draft class. And I wonder if the excitement is the same this year as it could have been even last year when R.J. Barrett would have gone third to really any franchise that was slotted in that spot. Or if you want to go to other NBA draft classes, 
Would you have felt differently, even if you go back to the 2018 NBA draft? Because that was a really deep one. I mean, you're talking about DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, and Luka Doncic. Luka went third overall. Even if you miss and you go Jared Jackson or Trey Young, that's not a bad miss. And then you go back to 2017, and you're talking about a guy like Jason Tatum, who's drafted third overall. There were some misses there, too, if you would have gone Josh Jackson, but De'Aaron Fox, Jonathan Isaac is intriguing, even with that injury that he suffered this year that'll take him out a lot of next year, if not all of it. It just doesn't feel that way. And I'm not here to bang on the Hornets and their luck and, oh, it happened to the Hornets. It, it gets too cliche. It gets to be too easy to make that joke. But I wonder if all the other Hornets fans are feeling this kind of way too. Exactly how excited are you about the third overall pick compared to other years? You know, I tweeted out the funny stuff. I tweeted out the Michael Scott gif of him running around. Oh, it's happening. Running around with all the other members of the show on The Office. Running around because of a special event happening. Like, I I was excited about it, too. And and even just, I don't know, I don't know how far removed we are from the lottery happening, but, you know, even talking about a month and more of a month away, I just continued to digest all of these prospects and continue to look at the future, and it just doesn't seem nearly as guaranteed franchise changing. And guaranteed might even be strong for other years because the Kings, having Marvin Bagley selected number two overall, it doesn't seem like he's a franchise-changing player yet. Maybe he built, maybe he, you know, grows into something. But right now, doesn't seem like a franchise-changing player. But the perception of going into that selection, it was like, hell yeah, we've got a real good shot to knock this out of the park because of all the different players that are here. And this is just such a weak draft class that the more I think about it, the more I want to take a sure thing and do a complete 180 as to what I had been talking about as soon as last year's draft concluded. Because P.J. Washington, who I was wrong on, just didn't seem like such a home run pick, the high ceiling pick that, hey, anything could happen. You know, we, we could get somebody that is a huge star with this high ceiling. He's not a finished product. He has a higher ceiling than I thought. But even after that draft, I remember talking with Doug because we did the draft show. We did a draft party where maybe a couple people via Patreon were actually hanging out with us. And it was a lot of fun eating pizza, drinking beer. And we were just talking and discussing, okay, at least next year, you have to take that home run shot. You got to do it at some point because you go Miles Bridges in your first draft with Mitch Kupchak. Then you go with P.J. Washington in your second draft. You got to do it this year. And man, I, I just continue to walk those comments back. You know, I hate to be a flip-flopper, flippity-flop, my second Michael Scott reference on the pod today. I, I don't want to be like that. But the more I go towards this NBA draft, the more I want to take the sure thing because all these other guys scare me so much so. And the other, the other reason why I'm walking those comments back is because if this could be a franchise-changing player, and then you miss with that kind of selection, with all the risk that come with some of these guys that are considered the top prospects, then isn't that career damaging too if you miss on these guys? Do you want to lower the threshold? Do you want to lower the risk so you make sure that you don't miss so badly that it at least allows you to pick high again next year and no one is looking as you're at your third overall pick of being a disaster? Sure, somebody might work out, and then they say, well, the Hornets should have selected him. But that happens in every single NBA draft. 
I equated a little bit to teams missing a franchise quarterback in the top five and saying, if you miss a franchise quarterback in the top five selections of an NFL draft, then it sets you back 10 years, maybe five years with 10 being a little bit of a hyperbole. But if you don't miss, but you don't exactly hit to the fullest of thresholds, okay, you at least hit on a guy like a Devin Vassell comes to mind. I, mean, I think he's got a higher ceiling anyway, but I'm leaning more towards just taking Devin Vassell outright if you don't trade back. I mean, even with a guy like Denny Advia, who I don't think has this high ceiling like these other top prospects with an Anthony Edwards, a James Wiseman, and, um, and LaMelo Ball, with those being the three, even with those guys being there, it just makes me want to go with the safer route, which is something that is 180 degrees different from what I was thinking just last season and two seasons ago. You know, even smart guys like Tom Haberstroh, they discuss every year, you got to take the home run, especially in small markets. You got to try to hit, hit it out of the park. Well, I also think that there's a real chance this Hornets team doesn't get that much better record-wise, and we just saw from them getting the third overall pick, if they finish in a similar spot, then there's a good shot you can end up with a top three pick because we've seen this two years in a row with the new way that the lottery odds are set up. And when we talk about the perception of the third overall pick, I should be overfilled with joy. This is going to be a franchise-changing player, and I just don't get that feeling. And because of that, because 2020, in a bunch of different ways, but the NBA draft is no different here. In 2020, I just feel so differently because of this draft class than I do 2019, than I do 2018, than I do 2017, that maybe it is the smart decision to actually take just the safest player with still some high upside rather than going for just all upside. Like I think some of those top three guys that we constantly mention bring you and uh, with not a whole lot of safety, mind you want to talk to you guys about rockauto.com real quickly before we move on. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody, and they don't require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business. They're serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, and you can go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same price uh, for the same parts, I should say? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Plenty more to get to here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One thing that I don't worry about regarding this third overall selection, and there's not too many, but the one thing I don't worry about with this third overall selection, it's the relationship that Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego have that is so good that no matter who they take, I know that the authority figures with this organization 
are all going to be relatively on the same page where you can leave the war room and feel good or at least feel some support from whoever needs to give you the support, whether it's Mitch Kupchak feeling supported by Borrego or vice versa, whether it's both of them feeling supported by Michael Jordan. I think that's going to happen and I, I feel very comfortable that's going to happen in a very different way than I used to with Rich Cho, who I actually put a lot of problems with this organization, more so on Rich Cho than I do Michael Jordan. And I understand if you want to give all the responsibility to the guy that is at the highest of the food chain, then Michael Jordan makes the most sense. And, and I get that. There's something to be said for a bad owner keeping a bad general manager in place for so long. There's no doubt about it. Michael Jordan should have fired him and, and sooner. And Michael, um, and he should have done it sooner. And I, I get why Michael would take a lot of responsibility in that regard, but, or should take some. But Rich Joe just was not good at the drafting thing. And we've gone with the Kimba Walker scenario where even it took him two tries to get the right selection, the only right selection that he had correct after uh, getting Bismack Biombo just a couple of picks earlier. But here, Borrego um, mentions his relationship with Mitch Kupchak, and Sam Burley put this in his article on Hornets.com. He said, quote, Mitch and my relationship has really grown over the last couple of years. There's a real trust, a real belief, and with that, he wants my input into how we're building this roster. Ultimately, it's going to be up to him to make those decisions, and it goes back to alignment. The more we understand who we are and what we're trying to build, the better it is for us. We're talking about the draft consistently, and we're talking about free agency as well. And it goes back to, for me, when we would interview Marty Herney a couple of years ago about the Carolina Panthers and their draft and their free agency. I asked Marty Herney if he talked with Ron Rivera about the selections he would make. And he said, yeah, I talk, I talk with Ron Rivera before every single move I make for this team. And I thought that was a little interesting because one, that's not 100% guaranteed with every other NFL franchise. And that's not certainly 100% guaranteed with every NBA franchise. And I think you saw that with how it played out here, just next door at the spectrum center. When Rich Cho was with this organization Clearly, there was a divide between him and Steve Clifford that we've documented quite a bit. And even Rick Bennell has confirmed, yes, there was a lot of disagreement between those two. But it just feels good to have your authority figures with the organization be on the same page and know that it's not going to lead to this immediate firing of one party or the other. You know, you have your general manager in place in Mitch Kupchak. Michael Jordan allowed Mitch Kupchak to find his own guy rather than some of these other franchises. Like I, I go to the jets where Adam Gase is a part of the team and then he fires the GM that hired him. And you see that in the NFL where, you know, they'll fire the GM right after they make the coaching decision. And then you, you hire a new GM that didn't actually hire that coach. And then it's just a complete mess up and down. It just seemed like the Hornets really did start on a clean slate. And I like the beginning stages of where they're going and the third overall pick, Mitch Kupchak has acknowledged you can get a different player with this third overall pick. And even if I don't feel nearly as good about it as I would have in previous years, you know, it, it does seem like these guys are going to be on the same page with this third overall selection, really, no matter what, they're going to come to an agreement. I trust them in figuring it out somehow. And, and I don't think that Michael Jordan is going to have his fingerprints all over this. You know, it's funny when we look back at the last couple of years since Mitch Kupchak has been at the helm, there's only been one eyebrow raised by me on 
whether Michael Jordan has meddled to a certain degree. And it was with Terry Rozier. And Terry Rozier came out with those comments. I believe there's an article on Terry written by Bleacher Report. And Terry Rozier talked about his conversations with Michael. And he said how much that meant to him, that Michael called him. I think, I think Michael might have been on the golf course. I don't know if I have that right. But Michael called him and talked to him about how much he likes him and you know, how excited they are to you know, go after him. And, and that's you know, somewhat of a factor as to why Terry Rozier signed with the team. And I raised an eyebrow at that. I was like, all right, maybe Michael had something to do with that. But I also think Michael is a tremendous tool. If you do want somebody, and I'm not saying that they should have given Terry Rozier the $18 million a year contract, even though in hindsight, it, it's not nearly as bad, in my opinion, as what it was reported to be at the time of the signing. But Michael Jordan is a tremendous tool to go get the guys that you want. And Mitch Kupchak would be dumb as hell not to use that. <laughs> so if, if, if Mitch Kupchak is going to Michael and say, hey, I want Terry Rozier. He's someone that I think can be a big time score in a way that he wasn't with Boston because we clearly don't have anybody at least right now at the time we didn't know Devontae was going to be the player he was but at least right now we need a leading score and it is going to help financially for you too Michael as far as finding somebody that can score a little bit better but this this is a good role for him I would like to make him an offer and of course you want to use Michael Jordan as that and so I don't think really Michael Jordan has meddled the last couple of years as nearly as reported. And people talked about that Boston Celtics trade so many times and how Michael Jordan wanted Frank Kaminsky so bad. Sam Vecini wrote it in his athletic article on an, a really, really good breakdown of the Charlotte Hornets and how they might operate this offseason. You know, he mentioned how Michael Jordan falls in these established college basketball stars, which I, I think was a little problematic, but I mean, there is a track record of the Hornets drafting those types of guys. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. Even if Mitch has kind of taken that baton a little bit, drafting a Miles Bridges, who certainly was a college superstar in his time with Michigan State. I don't think I got that from PJ Washington. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't a really good college basketball player. I don't think he had the kind of star power that Miles Bridges did. I don't think PJ had the kind of star power that uh, even a Frank Kaminsky did who went to the championship or a Kimba Walker with UConn when he was selected. Cody Zeller, MKG. You know, PJ didn't have that kind of prowess when he was a sophomore at Kentucky. A very good player and established, but are we, are we calling sophomores extremely established now? You know, is, is that what we're doing? I, I, I think... I think Mitch Kupchak is operating in a little bit of a different way. And I, I trust Mitch Kupchak aligning with the James Borrego, especially when Borrego talks about culture too in this past week, which I thought was interesting. I think they're on the same page with culture as well. And that made me think a little bit about Anthony Edwards and the conversations that we've had with the Georgia product. Does Anthony Edwards fit this culture if he settles for jump shots and has motor issues? You know, it, 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 it seems weird. I, it feels like most NBA draft pundits are really careful about what they say regarding Anthony Edwards because no one wants to say he's a bad kid. You know, even, even Paul Biancardi talked about how Anthony Edwards is a really sweet kid, but there are some, there are some lackadaisical things that you see within his game, which is a little worrisome. And so does that fit the culture with the Charlotte Hornets that they've worked very hard to establish? You know, I, I, at least everybody is on the same page with the culture, 
with who they're going to select. And I'm just glad that there's not going to be any beef going forward. And when you're talking about a third overall selection, not having any beef there, look, we saw how big of a divide it caused between Rich Cho and Steve Clifford when they had the 11th pick every single year. Think about how big the divide would be if those two were still selecting the third overall pick. If they were still here and they had this kind of big decision and it was left between those two parties to decide who that guy is going to be, who the potential franchise player is going to be. Just think about how bad it would be in the war room if those were the two that were deciding who should be that player selected at number three overall. I do want to talk to you about a new product that we haven't been talking about nearly as much, but it is still from one of the same partners that support our show. It is from the partners of Built Bar. They actually have a new product out, and it's called Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall that you need to break through, you can do it with Built Go every day. Easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages. It's a gel that it's fast-absorbing, and you can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever your golf bag. I'm actually about to hit the course later this week. So you can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever or your golf bag to power through the back nine. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. And it's kind of like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural. So it's better for the body. I need to get off these bang energy drinks that I've been drinking. You need to get to Built Go and use the gel because it's a third of the caffeine. It has better results also. And it's natural for you. They've got three delicious flavors peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And Built Go works so well, and you might ask how it works so well. Well, it combines energy gel with collagen protein, and that protein is a fast-absorbing gel, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easier on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite the work, and Built Go then kicks in to keep me going strong and you as well. And one way that you can take Built Go is by going to BuiltGo.com, using promo code LOCKED, that's just the one word there, LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off of your next order. You can use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Have one more segment to go on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. Decoys all over the place. They've got everybody down at the rim. Ball goes into biz. They do like an XFL style where the wide receiver runs to the line of scrimmage, except it's with Devontae Graham. He picks up a foul. I don't care what you say, Nate McMillan. More like Nate McVillan. Get out of here. Quit whining about the officials. You got plenty of calls. The Hornets got a call at the end of the game. I thought it was fair. Hornets win. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I saw Doug control our Twitter account, and sometimes producer Katie will take control of the Twitter account as well. And it just occurred to me how that first segment went. I know Doug is going to clown me. I know that Doug is going to want to record something else and talk about another reason as to why I hate the third overall selection. One of the best things to happen to this Hornets organization. I'm going to have to take it on the chin from him and and he's going to put that out on Twitter once again. And I apologize. I don't hate the third overall pick. It's just something that I think we should explore all the options in doing. And I wish Nada was actually here right now rather than me just defending myself to Doug because I feel compelled to do so. But I guess Nada is just going to continue doing other things and be busy and leave me out here to fight for myself, which is something that Nada would do anyway. He probably likes to see me crash and burn, even if it is at the hands of our other arch nemesis, Doug Branson. I want to talk about the NBA Finals real quickly before we end today's show. I wonder if Anthony Davis lost his Finals MVP with the performance that he put 
out there in game three. And Nada and I have talked about this. Ramona Shelburne, talk about taking it on the chin. Ramona Shelburne, when she discussed who she voted for in the regular season MVP award, when she voted for LeBron James and she talked about how it was all narrative based, NBA Twitter lit up and just took her to the woodshed because she wasn't looking for stats. She wasn't going and paying attention to what Giannis actually did this regular season and that it was all narrative based based on LeBron. And I have to admit, it's pretty funny to see a guy like Dave McMiniman who has followed LeBron from Cleveland to LA actually vote for LeBron too. where Dave McMiniman just keeps quiet about it. Clearly it was narrative based. Clearly there's an agenda there. He's not going to go against his boy who he's covered ever since that he was in Cleveland, but whatever. Uh, Ramona Shelburne voted for LeBron because of narrative reasons, and she admitted to it, which, you know, for me, at least she admitted to it. There's a lot of other people that wouldn't even admit to that, and I think that's the kind of thing that you see a lot with the finals MVP award. In fact, I think finals MVP is way more narrative-based than what people actually vote on with the regular season MVP, and I think the best example of that is when you look at Steph Curry and the way he did not get the finals MVP when Andre Iguodala won it. You know, people made such a big damn deal about the way Andre Iguodala played defense on LeBron James. And yeah, it was awesome. I mean, LeBron James did. I mean, Andre did a great job against LeBron James. But go back and look at those stats from Steph Curry and compare them to Andre Iguodala. And you're going to be like, how in the hell did Andre get that specific award? And we kept that away from Steph Curry. And it turned out it would be really the only opportunity that Steph could win it because Kevin Durant comes aboard, has awesome finals series against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then he wins finals MVP. And losing to Kevin Durant, it's no slouch. Losing to Andre Iguodala, we made that so narrative-based that we just had to give it to the best defender instead of the real best player. And the reason I talk about this is because Anthony Davis' stat line, 6 of 9, not awful at all. When you look at his impact on the game, yeah, he, he certainly did not have nearly as big of an impact as he did in game one and game two, and he got in foul trouble as well, and that's something he should be punished for. But it seems like Anthony Davis has completely lost this thing because of his performance in game three. Like, they're just going to rip it from him, and LeBron flirts with triple-double numbers every single time he goes out there. So if LeBron gets it, then fine. But I think that we are going to punish Anthony Davis way more to the point where unless Anthony has like some 45 point triple double himself, similar to what Jimmy Butler did, then he's not going to get back in this race. And I hope that he can actually make this a series. I, I I'm to the point where I was stupid and naive and fell in love with the Miami heat and actually picked them beating the Lakers in seven games. Then in game one came out, all the rookies looked shook except for Jimmy Butler, who was the only one that looked like he knew what he was doing out there. And so then I looked like an idiot there as well. When game two came around, they performed a little bit better. And then Jimmy Butler in game three just said, okay, I'm going to put everybody on my back. I don't care if Myers Leonard is getting a start at NBA finals. I don't care if all these other guys who don't look nearly as good on paper. I don't care if these are my other starting five members. I'm going to have a 40 point triple double and make this a series. The thing is I, I went with the heat at the beginning but ever since game one happened, the Heat are going to have to win three games in a row for me to truly think that this is going to be a series. Even if they win tonight, I have to go with the Lakers. Just the way that they've played, I don't expect LeBron James and Anthony Davis to play the way that they did. You know, Doris Burke talked about how Frank Vogel needs to hold both of those stars accountable. 
And I expect him to do so. And that's kind of an unsung hero in all of this. You know, you might roll your eyes and think that, yeah, if you had LeBron James and Anthony Davis, then of course you're going to be a good coach in the NBA and you're going to have a good series. But defensively, what he's done with that team, it's been exceptional. And the thing about Frank Vogel is the fact that he's had success defensively before when he coached the Indiana Pacers and actually took LeBron to a seven-game series there in the Eastern Conference with a Paul George. Remember, when Paul George actually was performing somewhat well in the playoffs, it was when Frank Vogel was his coach. Then he went to OKC, then he went to the LA Clippers, and it didn't nearly work out as well. So I think what we're going to see going forward is the Lakers are eventually going to win the finals, and then eventually LeBron James is going to win finals MVP. And instead of it being Kawhi Leonard, which a lot of people thought it would be, LeBron James is going to be the guy that wins finals MVP uh, as the first player ever to do so with three different teams. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets today. Thanks again for joining us. And also thanks again to the sponsors that support our show, rockauto.com and Built Go from the makers of Built Bar. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, really any show that is on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hopefully Nada joins me again tomorrow. We can talk a little bit more maybe about the NBA draft. We're going to have to try to think of some content to talk about until we get to November 18th. Have a great day and we'll be back with you tomorrow.